is coming up now on Established in the Faith. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. If Jesus died on Calvary and he took away the sin of the world, why is it that we keep having all these mass shootings? Why is it all this evil in the world and things ain't getting no better? It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Why? Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me please to the gospel according to St. John. John chapter 1, and we'll begin with verse 29, just one verse. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin." Of the world. And I want to stop right there and use for a subject this morning. Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for His help today. Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning I thank you for this privilege that we have to stand and minister to the people, whomever they may be, wherever they may be. Lord, I thank you for each one who has come out this way. Lord, this morning I realize there are many needs among your people. There are questions and situations and things, Lord. Lord, we lay it all at your feet, and we ask you to address each one of these things according to your divine wisdom. And Lord, I ask for your anointing today to rightly divide this word of truth and to bring it to the people. Lord, that the questions may be answered and the needs be met. And Lord, today I pray that you'll anoint your people to hear and to receive of your word and be drawn closer to you. It's my prayer today in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. Let me begin this morning by going back several years ago, many years ago, really. I was going through the process of licensing to be a minister of the gospel, attended Watson's Grove Free Will Baptist Church over in Kinley, and there was a young man at that time who had gone through the licensing process, and Watson's Grove was in need of a pastor, and he was invited to come and fill in during that time. And he took the ordination exam and passed that, and then the church then asked him to be the full-time pastor of the church, which he then accepted to do so. And the Lord blessed his ministry, had several to come forward and get saved. And as you know, immediately after one gets saved, you go to the process of baptism, water baptism. And... Going through the licensing stage at that time, 
I have seen people baptized many times, as I'm sure you have seen it and witnessed it. And it looks easy when you're sitting out there and observing, but when you're the one standing there in the tank and they're trusting you to put them down in the water, they're trusting you to bring them up out of the water. And uh, there, there's a proper way to do that, especially when you've got someone of my size. If you don't have a hold of them just right, um, they might go down and you might go down with them, if you understand what I'm saying. And so, the minister that we asked to be the pastor... This would be his first baptism. And I had not gone through any classes on baptism, didn't know any, I only had witnessed it from a distance. But I assumed that he had done and gone through these types of things, and I was anxious there with my notebook because I was going to question him and observe so that I could learn. Well, the Sunday came around that we were to have the baptism. And that Sunday morning, I caught him looking at me out of the corner of his eye several times. And, and I, I, something's up. I got a feeling he wants to talk to me about something. Sure enough, he did. After the service that Sunday, he pulled me into one of the side rooms there. And we were supposed to have the baptism that afternoon around 4 o'clock, 5, something like that. He pulled me in the back room, and we were sitting there, and he had absolutely no idea how to baptize somebody. And he was asking me, thinking that maybe I had just recently taken a course, maybe something had changed from the time he was going through the process. Maybe I could share something with Well, I didn't know either. He didn't know where to put his hands, and I didn't either. So there we are. We decided, well, let's come up here this afternoon around 3 o'clock, and we'll both get down in the tank and we'll practice baptizing one another and see if we can figure this thing out. So if you want to see something funny, you should have been over there at Watson's Grove Church that Sunday afternoon at 3 or 4 o'clock. You would have seen two free will Baptist ministers practicing, baptizing one another, trying to get it right. But we got it right. A short time later, I would have the privilege of baptizing Julie. She was six years old. And uh, as little as she was, she was the water come up to about your waist, and she was already about right here. So um, when she got down in the water, all I had to do was take her head and just... <laughs> real simple. LAUGHTER Little children are easy to baptize, but uh, older ones, like I said, you got to know where to grab them at. And there's a lot of things that go through your mind when you're standing there in the tank with someone and you're up in front of a bunch of people. A lot of things can go wrong, and uh, you need to know how to do it right. But uh, I've, I've often wondered 
the thoughts that went through John's mind as he stood there in the River Jordan and Jesus Christ stepped down into the water and made his way over there to where John was. And I've often wondered, what were the thoughts that went through John's mind as he stood there before the Lord Jesus Christ? What thoughts went through his mind as he placed his hands upon the Son of Almighty God? What thoughts went through his mind as he beheld the Spirit of God descend down like a dove upon him? What thoughts went through his mind as he heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I don't know what all his thoughts were, but I believe it took some time to process all that had taken place that day. And it was the next day that John was able to utter these words, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. What a profound statement. Never before in all of human history had such a statement been made. It had been alluded to, pointed to, God used types and shadows throughout the Old Testament pointing to it. But never before had such words been uttered by a human being. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. If you want a phrase that sums up the gospel of Jesus Christ... That is it. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. If you need a phrase that explains the Bible to someone, it's very simple. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. John had experienced something that no other human being in history, even from then until now, no other human being has experienced before. To stand there before the Son of God and to place His hands upon Him and baptize Him. And His knowledge of the Word of God, I still don't believe all of that was enough for Him to come to that conclusion and to make that statement within and of himself, I believe it had to have been a revelation of God. God had to reveal this information to John. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Going back to the very beginning in your Bible in Genesis, God created Adam and Eve said, there's a tree over there in that garden. Of any tree in this garden you may freely eat except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And we know the story. Adam and Eve, after they partook of that fruit, the Bible says that they realized that they were naked. Their eyes were opened and they realized that they were naked. And immediately after the fall, if you'll look at it there on the screen, Genesis 3 and verse 15. This is the first instance in your Bible of God pointing to a Redeemer. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. God was pointing to a Redeemer who was to come. A Redeemer who would bruise the head of the serpent, but the serpent would only bruise his heel. What does that mean? If I had a bat this morning, and I really wanted to take somebody out good fashion, where would I hit them? Hit them in the head. A blow to the head is much more severe than a blow to the ankle or to the heel. But that's all that Satan could do to Jesus Christ was put a little bruise on his heel. But when Jesus Christ died on Calvary, he took that cross and hit the old devil upside the head with it, which is what some of you need to do that's listening to me today. You need to take that cross. Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, deny yourself and take up the cross daily and follow me. You've got to learn how to take that cross and and beat the devil upside the head with it. I'm sick and tired of God's people being beat from pillar to post by the devil. Take that cross and use it against the devil. Our victory is in the finished work of Christ. To symbolize that Redeemer who was to come, God saw Adam and Eve standing there naked. They had tried to get some fig leaves and cover themselves, and that won't work out very well. God said, I've got a solution. And he took an animal, an innocent victim. More than likely, it was a lamb. He killed that lamb. Dana, if you will, put it up on the screen. Genesis 3 and verse 21. And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins and clothed them. The Lord took a lamb, an animal, an, an innocent victim, killed it in front of Adam and Eve, pulled its skin away, and made coats of skins to cover Adam and Eve. And in that first act of God, God instituted the Old Testament sacrificial system. The Lord kicked Adam and Eve out of that garden, put two cherubim up at the entrance point to the garden, guarding the way to the tree of life. And evidence is that Adam and Eve built 
a tabernacle of sorts. They didn't go very far from the Garden of Eden. And right there at that entranceway, they built an altar, a tabernacle of sorts. And they would bring their sin offering to the Lord and offer it up for the sin they had committed. And you say, well, Brother James, how do you know all of that? I know all of that because Cain and Abel, when they come along... We see Cain bringing an offering, a sin offering to the Lord. But his sin offering, it was the fruit of the ground. He was a tiller of the ground. And he brought his vegetables and laid them on the altar. And Abel, he brought a lamb and offered it up. And God accepted Abel's offering because it was a blood sacrifice. But he rejected Cain's offering. It had absolutely nothing to do with God playing favorites toward either one of those two individuals. But God respected the blood sacrifice. Are you hearing me? When Abel placed his faith in that blood sacrifice, God had respect to the offering as well as the one who offered it. But Cain, he put his faith in his works, the works of his own hands. He had been out there in the garden getting the wire grass out and plowing it up and planting the seed and watering and fertilizing and working hard. And brought, I'm sure he brought the best that he could produce and bring it before God. But God rejected it. And it is the exact same way today. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how many good works you do. Your good works did not die on a cross to save you from your sin. And your good works still can't do it today. Only Jesus Christ and His shed blood and your faith in what He did, only that can save your soul. That's it. 2,500 years later, much of mankind has rejected God's way. It was awful. So much so that God had to destroy everything. Only Noah, only Noah was doing as he ought to have done. And the Lord told Noah, I want you to build an ark. Told him how to do it. And Dana, if you will, put it up on the screen. Some of you may have never seen this before. Genesis chapter 7 and verse 2. The Lord told Noah, of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. The clean animals, there were seven of those that were taken. Why? Well, they had to have something to eat, number one. But here's the other reason, and, and definitely not least, was for sacrifice. To offer it up as a sacrifice, a sin offering. And, and here we see Noah now in the 8th chapter, Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. 
and this was after the flood, after they done got off that ship, notice this, and Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast, notice that, of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of his heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything, every living thing as I have done. The sacrifice. Why did Noah offer up a blood sacrifice after the flood? Well, you think about it. Being on a boat... For over a year, with your family. Enough said. I can go ahead and tell you right now, and none of us were there to witness it, and the Bible don't say it, but I can go ahead and tell you right now, there were some things said on that boat that ought not to have been said. I can go ahead and tell you, somebody got on somebody's nerves. Oh, y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. Good grace and mercy. Even right here in church sometimes, and you can't even sit here an hour without somebody getting on your nerves and rolling your eyes. You need to check yourself. It's sin. And Noah realized some things. He had said some things while he was on that boat that was sin. And when he got off that boat, he offered up a sacrifice to God. And God forgave him, not because he was a good man, not because he made the boat, not because he did all that, but because of the sacrifice. And not only did God save him, but he said, Never again will I flood the earth again as I have done. Move ahead, if you will, another 500 years later. From the time of Noah. Abraham and Sarah. God told Abraham he's somewhere around 75 years of age. And God spoke to his heart and said, Get thee out of thy country and from among thy kindred. Pack up everything you got. And go to a place that I'll tell you of. He also told Abraham in that 12th chapter of Genesis... And then later on, he would say it again. He said, your seed shall be as the sands of the sea. And Abraham knew that by God promising this, that him and Sarah had to have some children. And most of all, it would have to be a little boy. And so Abraham and Sarah, they try for years trying to have children and nothing. And so they concoct this scheme with Hagar, the little young Egyptian girl. And it was acceptable in those days that if you couldn't have children, then you could have a surrogate. And Sarah said, take my handmaiden, Hagar, and go in under her and have children by her. We all know the end result of that. It was Ishmael. 
you and I today are still suffering because of that incident with Abraham and Hagar, Ishmael. Well, what do you mean, Brother James? Well, when the Twin Towers fell on 9 11, are you listening? It can go back to Abraham and Hagar and Ishmael. And Abraham pleaded with God about a child, and they tried and tried, and nothing happened. Now Abraham's 100 years old, and Sarah's 90. No children other than Ishmael. The Lord deals with Abraham, comes down one day, and he's sitting there in the tent door, and God appears with a couple other angels with him. And God asked, where's Sarah at? Well, she's in the tent. He said, I will restore unto her according to the time of life. A short time later, remember now, Abraham, he's about 100 years old. Sarah's 90. Something strange happens to Abraham one night. He woke up the next morning, and he walks across the floor, and he noticed he ain't aching and hurting no more. He ain't got no more arthritis in his joints. Sarah gets up, she's noticed the same thing, her knees ain't hurting no more. And they go look in the mirror, and and Abraham's like, good grace and mercy, I've got her! And it ain't gray no more. What are you saying, Brother James? I'm saying God performed a miracle with Abraham and Sarah. And he restored their youth. Well, where do you get that from, Brother James? Because we read later on, after Isaac is born, there was a famine in the land, and they go down into Egypt and... The king there wants to take Sarah into his chambers. Now, what in the world will a a king who could have any woman he wants, what would he want to do with a 90-year-old woman? I don't mean that ugly, but it's not natural. It's not normal. God did something to Abraham and Sarah to where he restored their youth to where they could have children. And glory to God, I still haven't forgot what God told me four years ago. He said, I will restore the youth back to Friendship Church. And I have seen him do it little by little. Little by little, he's doing it. He's doing it. But there come a day and an hour, Genesis chapter 22... God spoke to Abraham and said, Take now your son, your only son whom you love, and offer him up for a burnt offering unto me. I can't imagine the thoughts that went through his mind. 
he gets up the next morning and he goes out there in the backyard and he cuts wood. He gets the fire, he gets a donkey, he gets a couple of young men, gets Isaac, and off until the wilderness they go. Three days' journey. And the weight of this on Abraham's mind, I, I, I can't imagine. The Lord has asked me to do things in my ministry that I did not understand, but He's never asked anything like He asked Abraham to offer up your only son. Lord, I've worked so hard. The very thing I was looking so forward to. And you did all these miracles and you gave me a son. And now you want me to offer him up. Lord, that don't make any sense. But he did it anyway. Three days later, he looks up and he sees the place. And Abraham tells the young men that are there, stay here with the donkey. I and the lab will go yonder and worship, and we'll come back to you. He takes that wood, puts it on Isaac's back, a type of Jesus Christ taking that cross up Calvary's hill. He took the fire in his hand, the type of the judgment of God upon sin. And he took the knife, which symbolizes death. And they make their way up that mountain. And Isaac now begins to figure things out. And he said, and I'm quoting this now, My father, behold, the wood... And the fire. But where is the lamb? John the Baptist would answer that question. Glory to God. Where is the lamb? I want to ask those of you listening by radio this morning. That question, as you go to church today, as many of you are, as you sit down in that pew and you observe the service, where is the Lamb? If there's no Lamb, there's a problem. And you need to recognize that there's a problem. And you need to ask the Lord to help you make a decision on what to do. Because a church without the Lamb in it is no more than a social club. Behold the Lamb! Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a Lamb. Glory to God. Hallelujah. They got up there on that mountain. And he gets the altar built. Gets the wood in place on the altar. And I've heard some preachers 
preaching this message saying that Isaac kind of figured things out and Abraham was chasing Isaac all around the mountain trying to tie him up and put no it won't nothing like that Isaac realized what was about to happen and he acquiesced to it just like Jesus Christ acquiesced to go to the cross for you and I Isaac trusted his father just like Jesus Christ trusted his father. And there's Isaac laying there on that altar, and now Abraham's got the knife in his hand, and a voice come out of heaven saying, Stay thine hand, don't kill your son. And he turned around and looked, and behold, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went over and took that lamb and offered it up instead of his son, and Isaac was saved. You and I today are saved because of the lamb. The lamb. The one who offered up himself. John said, Behold the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. How much of that did John understand? It's one thing for me to make that statement. It's, It's one thing for you to read it in your Bible. But how much of that do you understand? Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And there's a question that many people have. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. If Jesus died on Calvary and he took away the sin of the world, why is it that we keep having all these mass shootings? Why is it all this evil in the world and things ain't getting no better? It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Why? If Jesus Christ dealt with this 2,000 years ago, why do we still have a problem with it today? And we do have a problem with it. I'll tell you why. There's one active ingredient that is needed in order for us to enjoy that benefit of being free from sin, and that's faith. Faith. You've got to believe. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ, who He is, and what He did on Calvary. And it is a lack of faith that's causing the problems in the world today. Jesus Christ dealt with the sin issue on Calvary's cross for every single human being who would ever believe and place their faith in what He did. But there's coming a day when God's going to have to deal with sin the hard way. Now, what do you mean by that? Dana, if you will, go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side... Sealed with seven seals. This is a book of judgment that's held in the right hand of God. 
And when this book is opened up, it will begin a series of events that will usher in the millennium. A series of events where God is judging sin in this world. Verse 2, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? We need to look at this third verse very carefully. Because the Bible says that no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. No human being is able to judge another human being because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No man. No man. Verse 4. John, and this is John the Apostle now, not John the Baptist. The Bible says, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. John is weeping because he himself, although he had walked with the Lord for three and a half years, he was not worthy to do this thing, and neither is any other human being. But John also understood that unless this book is taken, and unless... Sin is, is judged, it's going to continue on and on and on. The, the, the mass murders will continue to occur. John wept much. Verse 5, One of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Catch this next verse, if you will, please. Verse 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. That lamb standing, having the appearance of having been slain, is no other than the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on Calvary, who was laid in the grave for three days and come up out of that grave on the third day. A lamb as if it had been slain, and he's standing. Glory to God. He's no longer in the grave. And this lamb... Verse 7, came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. You want to know what the problem of the world is? It's still sin. But there's a remedy to the situation. And it's not a donkey and it's not an elephant. Some of you will get that, but it's still the Lamb, the Lamb of God.
If the program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. We have Sunday school every Sunday morning at 945 and worship service at 11, as well as prayer meeting and Bible study every Wednesday night at 730. Go to com and click on the events tab for gospel singings and other special services. That's right, Jules. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMED community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you. (laughs) 